0: Why would God allow the church to be persecuted? That's what we're going to talk about today. Good morning, guys. It is Wednesday night for us. Thursday morning for you guys. I just got home. Maybe 20, 30 minutes ago, it's ten eighteen. We just had Bible study. Uh, Sharon stayed home. She was watching online. And um, I didn't get home that late because usually we're out together and we fellowship and then we maybe grab a bite, but I just wanted to get right home. So anyways, I had a, a... Really good Bible study. Hopefully, you guys were able to join. We did the story of King David Part 12. Man, it got deep. Um, It was a part where King David uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba. And uh, uh, we were able to talk about that. And guys, every Wednesday, as you guys know, if you guys are watching this, I'm pretty sure you participate on Wednesday nights. But Wednesday nights are, for, for us, the meat of House of Rest. Our, the, the the main part, the main course is not Sunday service. I truly believe it's the Bible study, you know because um, we have to, we have to be in the Word of God. It's the Word of God that renews the mind. It's the word of God that breaks chains. It's the word of God that sets us free. It's the Word of God that allows us to know um, uh, to be biblically uh, grounded. And that could never happen, guys. If we're not in the scripture, hopefully, as believers, we should be in the scriptures by ourselves, you know. But you know, um, but as a church, collectively, in the same way, you know, a church should pray together, a church should fellowship together, a church should read the Bible together, you know. And and I, I decided a long time ago that I really was going to stay away from topical Bible studies. What I mean by that is, okay, today we're going to study faith. And then you cherry pick all the scriptures to talk about faith. And today we're going to talk about salvation. Then we cherry pick all the verses about salvation. Because what happens is uh, people, especially new believers, don't really learn their Bibles that way. Because they never learn the context of each scripture. So most of the time, we try to read through entire books of the Bible. Uh, That way we can read it together, understand it together, and learn in context of what the Word of God is saying. And it's so rich and, 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 and beautiful that way. Now, you know, there's times where we have broke away from that and we do a study on this, study on that. But for the most part, guys, uh, that's our Wednesday night. Oh, sorry about that. And, um, and we, we um, I believe that it's enriching. I believe that we learn a lot that way. I believe it keeps us sharp, and most of all, it helps us to understand the Bible in in um, in a way that you can never get if all you do is topics. <clears throat> you know, sometimes I do feel it is necessary to do topics, but I don't believe a church foundation Bible study should be built on topics, but it should be built on reading the Bible and letting the Bible unfold, letting the Word of God unfold. And, and therefore, it brings out subjects that maybe you wouldn't have talked about, uh, but because you're reading through, it forces you to talk in, about these subjects and, and these scriptures and scenarios that maybe otherwise you wouldn't have ever talked about. You know, so, you know, we had a great Bible study. Uh, I love the fact that, that more and more people starting to come uh, in person on Wednesday nights— um, Brother Reuben started off with worship, just straight acoustic guitar, and that was a, a really good blessing. You know, <clears throat> I enjoyed that. I've always loved um, uh, acoustic guitar. I think it's it sounds beautiful. So anyways, guys, um, other than that, oh, another thing I wanted to talk about is I'm still getting together the Bible school. We are going to be, I, I don't think they like us to use the word a satellite school for Christian Leadership University, that's the Bible college I went to. i got to figure out the uh, the verbiage they want me to use. Um, but basically, they're uh, Christian Leadership University, CLU. That's where I graduated from. And I believe we are a Bible school. And I'm going to explain later. We're going <clears> to, <throat> probably after Resurrection Day, after Easter, we're going to do a seminar that's going to be online and in person at the church. And explain how this Bible school is going to be tied, in order with the Bible College, in order to be able to get credits and actually get um, a degree, whether it's uh, associates, or bachelors, or even more. And and also, um, uh, what else do they say? Oh, the certifications, because somebody might say, you know, I don't want to do two years to get a degree, but. I want to get certification, certified, you know, in, in evangelism or in just different things. You know, there's so many different subjects. and um, But the one thing I'm making sure to do is this, is at the same time we have the seminar for ex- explanation of the school and what it's going to be about and how it's going to be, um, we want enrollments to be able to be made right then and there for people that are actually there and those of you that are actually online so through our website i'm going to create a backdoor for those people that want to enroll and that way you can enroll right then and there with the i'm going to create a form and and everything and uh, a way to pay the the tuition and the registration and um that way people can enroll right then and there whether it's online or they're in person so I'm doing all this, you know, trying to get all this done, and uh, kind of in my head, I'm putting um, a, a goal to have a lot of this established. Uh, that way, it's ready to go at least at least to the next step as far as a seminar for um, after Easter, after Resurrection Day. <clears throat> so, anyways, um, yeah, this this scripture I wanted to talk about is actually a few scriptures. Uh, all in the book of Acts. And um, I want to I talk about this first. I want to talk about the context first of what was happening here and how it pertains to what I said in the beginning is why does God allow persecution of the church? Uh, so I want to read. Let's see. I think I want to set the stage. Let's see here. You know what? I want to start in Acts chapter 1. I want to read a little passage, and then we're going to jump to uh, chapter 7 and 8. But in the book of Acts, um, Jesus gives a command. And in the very beginning, it says this, right? So after the Lord... Um, was crucified and resurrected He specifically told them Stay in Jerusalem and wait for the helper In other words, wait for the Holy Spirit, right? Um, the reason he told them to wait in Jerusalem Because they weren't from Jerusalem Jerusalem was the big city of that time It's like like the Big Apple, New York for us And um, like here in Stockton We're only maybe 350,000 people But compared to New York This is a little town, you know? So it would be like all these disciples are from little towns, and the, and they they find themselves in Jerusalem, in the big city. They don't want to be there. They don't know people there. They want to go back to their little villages. But the Lord tells them to wait there, right? And and look what happens here. So they were getting together, and, and um, you know, for for a few weeks after um, the crucifixion, right? So. <clears throat> Right here in Acts chapter one, verse four, it says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. That's what I'm talking about. Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father. So he's like, do not leave the city until the promise is fulfilled, right? And then it says, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not days from now. So Remember the word baptism means full immersion, completely immersed. So he uses that word of baptism, which means to be completely dipped and soaked in water. But he uses it in in reference to the Holy Spirit, that the day will come that John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit to be fully immersed, to be completely soaked, you know, in the Holy Spirit not in many days from now. So in verse 6, it says, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. So this is the first indication of why the Holy Spirit uh, why they were going to be doused and, and and completely immersed and soaked in the Holy Spirit, right? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So what is what are they going to do with that power? Well, there's many things, but the very most important thing, the reason I say it's got to be the most important thing, because this is what Jesus said was the first thing, is you'll receive power and you shall be witnesses to me. Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So, this is before healing is mentioned, before tongues is mentioned, before prophetic words is mentioned, before any of that. He says, You will be baptized, doused in the Holy Spirit, and receive power so you can be witnesses in Jerusalem first, right? Because that's the big city. And in Samaria, which is south of, north of Jerusalem, and Judea, and to the end of the earth, right? So in other words, don't go and try to preach this gospel on your own. He tells them, wait until you're fully immersed, soaked, drenched in the Holy Spirit, and then you will be witnesses for me. Not only here, but all the world. So he didn't want the gospel to only be in Jerusalem. He goes, in other words, he's like, it's fine that it starts in Jerusalem, but eventually it has to spread. We got to take this message to the whole world. And that is why I'm going to baptize you, fully immerse you in the Holy Spirit. So you can then do what needs to be done, right? So here's the problem that happened, though, right, is then we have the day of Pentecost and, um, and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Many were speaking in tongues. I mean, the church started to grow. If you keep reading the church there in Jerusalem, matter of fact, if we go to chapter 2, verse 40, um, well, actually, let's go down here. Let's go down to 44. It says, "Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among as anyone had need." So a bunch of people started believing in Jesus. Everybody started fellowshipping. Everybody started coming together, and then says they continued daily with one accord in the temple. So every day they were meeting in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house. So they were in fellowship. Not only were they worshiping together and sharing Jesus at the temple. They were going to each other's houses and fellowshipping and breaking bread. They were were eating. They were sharing meals, right? And they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor for other people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So the church in Jerusalem had no issue, no problem. It was prospering. It was growing. I mean, even in the day of Pentecost itself, um it grew matter of fact, it says, I don't want to get derailed here, but thousands, thousands came um, to to have faith in Jesus, right and it started growing and growing and growing and growing. Here's the problem. remember what Jesus said? He was the Holy Spirit's going to come, you're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem. But it doesn't end there. It says Samaria, Judea, and to all the world, to all the earth. Well, the people continued to go to the temple, the temple, the temple, back to the house, temple, back to the house, temple. The church was growing, church was growing, Christianity was growing in Jerusalem. But nobody was taking the message to Samaria. Samaria nobody was taking the message to the rest of judea galilee to the surround to africa to 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 asia minor to europe nobody was doing it so there was a a man named stephen and the bible says that he was full of the holy spirit and he began to preach and the people Turned on him because they thought he was talking bad about Moses, and make a long story short, they started to throw rocks to stone him to execute him. And uh, people would think, like, man, that's messed up. Why did God allow that? Why did Jesus allow that? Why did you, Why didn't Jesus send an angel to save him? Why didn't the Lord tell him to to not go that day, to not preach that day, to to go in hiding? But no, he was murdered. He was martyred, and he was executed in front of everybody, right? And so what happened was um, because of that, because there was a man named Saul, who we know as the Apostle Paul, but he wasn't saved yet. So he was there basically directing people to kill Stephen because Saul, who would later become Paul, hated Christians and hated Jesus. He was a Pharisee. He believed in God, but did not believe God had came in the flesh, right? So he thought it was an abomination for people to follow Jesus. So then, um, look what happened in chapter 8. This is where I want to get to, and then we're going to talk about how this pertains to us today. In chapter 8, it says, now Saul was consenting to his death. He consented. He gave the green light, you know? He gave the green light for Stephen to be executed because he was a Pharisee, so he had the authority to to execute that, to consent to it. And it says, at that time, a great persecution arose against the church. So Stephen was the first one. Once they killed one, here's the thing, right, is when people, they're like sharks. Sharks, when they smell blood, they want more. So, the, so there's people that started hating Christianity. They saw it as an abomination. They saw it as something wicked and evil. So when they saw Stephen killed, they're like, man, you know what? That was amazing. Let's kill the rest. So there was great persecution and rose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. Because nobody was leaving. Everybody was there. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of, look, Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So, it seems like, maybe it sounds unfair that Stephen was killed, but Jesus told them, you need to spread out outside of Jerusalem and take this to the world. And because they weren't doing it, so here's the thing about Stephen, is I know on our side it's like, "Come, that's messed up, man. He lost his life." But what did Jesus say? Jesus says that 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 we never die. That there's everlasting life. That to be absent of this body is to be present with the Lord. So no matter what, whether Stephen lived or didn't, he was going to be in the glory of God. But it's like God allowed that person, God didn't cause Stephen to die, but God allowed that to happen because what was about to happen? He knew that sometimes the church has to, a fire has to be put under the church in order for it to go the way it's supposed to go. They were supposed to spread and they stayed in Jerusalem. So God allowed Stephen to be killed. And the moment that happened, it's like, boom, the church scattered. So automatically they scattered and they ran to Judea, they ran to Samaria, they ran to other countries, they ran to Egypt, they, they ran to um, uh, modern day Turkey, you know, to Ephesus, to all these Thessalonica, uh, Corinth, all these cities they scattered to uh, Antioch, to um, just all these different cities, Damascus. Well, guess what happened when it spread? The gospel spread. So it was like Stephen's death was the one drop in a puddle of stagnant water and that pebble drops in stagnant water and creates ripples and it starts to spread. And and because of the death of Stephen, Christianity now began to spread throughout the entire Roman Empire. So, What does that mean today? You know, it seems when you look at church history, and I know some of you probably maybe haven't looked into too much church history, but I'm confident in saying, and I'm not saying I know everything about church history, but I'm confident in saying this, is that in times of persecution is when Christianity thrives the most. Let me say that again. In times of persecution, it has always been that Christianity and following Jesus grows the most. So why would God allow persecution? Because it puts the fire under believers, and those people light a fire across the world. Light of fire across the nations. Light of fire underneath, you know. And and revival happens. Salvations happen. The move of the Holy Spirit happens to this day. What happened then happens now. You know, when um, in the 1940s when China went communist and they outlawed Christianity, they tried to stamp it out. And what do you have now? You have an underground church in China that is thriving. There are thousands, possibly millions of Christians that get together in secret to worship God. There is revival happening. It's like every nation that comes against the church to stamp it out, that very nation then causes Christianity to bloom. It's always been that way. So um, even, even, um, you name any country, when they really come against believers and the word of god and jesus that's where you're going to see the gospel thrive you know and, and you know some it, it's crazy because you have two camps here in the united states and westernized christianity that when the pandemic happened when when the churches were forced to shut down And now you have two camps. You have pastors that are trying to figure out what to do because now that the churches are open, the people ain't coming back. And most of the time, and I'm not saying I know every instance and every situation I don't know, but I will say this, is that a lot of times those churches were the ones that watered down the gospel, were the ones that were not sharing the true word of God. Or maybe they were sharing the true word of God, but it was diluted and watered down. So what happened is you created mediocre Christians that couldn't handle a church being shut down, couldn't handle the fact that there wasn't, you know, all of these programs going on in their churches. They couldn't handle it. And I'll even go as far as this, is there's a lot of pastors that maybe should have never been pastors. They were in positions of pastors, but they were not pastors. So instead of blaming the pandemic on the enemy, which ultimately, yeah, it, you know, it is the enemy. So, so let, me, let me say this clearly. It wasn't God that killed Stephen. It was God that allowed the enemy to attack Stephen to be killed because ultimately that's how the gospel is going to spread. It's not that God brings disease or pandemics or anything upon this world. It's because of a fallen world. That's why there's disease. But God will use even the disease to shake up the church. And I truly believe that, that this pandemic or whatever it is caused the church To be shaken because sometimes you got to shake a tree so the rotten fruit will fall. And then what is left standing is those that love Jesus, those that really truly serve him. You know, so I remember at, at, at first, I'm like, man, Lord, how can you allow? the churches of the world to be shut down. And I'm just like, man, there's no way the enemy can have this much power to straight up shut every church down. And I think it was by the fifth week of, of the whole thing, by the fifth week when everything started, boom. A matter of fact, if you go back to when the pandemic started on my channel, go back to the first time that nobody could be in the church, it was just me, Sharon, and Abraham running the media. Go back to that service and go five services forward to when they allow churches to have service in in the parking lot. And it was in that sermon that I preached that I said that God has allowed this to happen because the foolery That was going on The circus that was going on In the churches And God was about to shut it down See, I remember a time uh, A few years ago Where um, Our worship team, man It got ridiculous It got ridiculous There was betrayal going on There was backbiting There was people talking People talking about my wife you know, um, the worship team except my wife. I'd see them on Instagram and they'd be at bars and they'd be at, at all this stuff with a bunch of beers. I'm like, what is this? This is my worship team? And if you go back to that, that was before the pandemic. Um, I remember gathering them together. I said, you know what? I'm shutting down worship. They're like, what do you mean? How are we going to have service? I said, you know what? No, I'm shutting it down. We're going to pray as a church. Instead of singing 15, 20 minutes in the beginning of service, I'm going to get the prayer warriors to come, and we're going to pray every single Sunday instead of singing songs. And we're not going to bring songs back until the Lord allows it. And all those people, all that foolery got angry, didn't like it, and they eventually left because it was time to clean house. So, if me, a simple man, did something like that, a clean house, what do you think God did when he saw all the ridiculousness that was happening in the churches, all the scandals, all the, and it's crazy because now a lot of these great people that that the world considered great pastors, they're they're just falling like dominoes because God cleaned house. You know, so persecution, even though it's of the enemy, God always uses it because God ultimately is in charge of everything. He's king. He reigns over everything and he outsmarts Satan every single time. You know, so I, I want to end it with this, is that ultimately because of this persecution that happened in Acts, the church grew, the church grew wiser, the church persevered, and the church got strong. And I, I believe the same thing is happening now. Is through this pandemic and through whatever we might go through in the future. It'll make the church stronger. The church is getting stronger. Those that shouldn't be behind the pulpit are being removed. Those that preach the, the gospel without with boldness. God is allowing their voices to be heard more and more and more. And, and as the world is seeing how the world is going, the people are seeking, but they're seeking something real. They're seeking after something that doesn't sound like a car salesman. They're seeking something that, that is evident, something. And that's why the Bible says these signs will follow those that believe. This is how you will know. You know what I mean? Because the power of God will move. People will begin to evangelize and preach with power. Why? Because he says, he goes, wait here until the whole, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit And the Holy Spirit, you'll receive power. Power to witness to the nations. So, God has allowed persecution to happen through our history of time. But every time, God uses it for his purpose. So the gospel will stay pure. The impurities fall away. And those that really love Jesus will go forward and disciple more people and more people and more people. And therefore the church continues to live until the Lord comes back for his church. So that's pretty much it, guys. I hope you got something from this. I pray it blesses you. I pray it helps you think and think about it. You know, that that regardless of hardships that you may go through, ultimately you have to admit that at the other end, you got smarter out of it, you got stronger out of it, and you got bolder out of it. And therefore now we can be even more bold for Jesus, stronger for Jesus, and we will persevere. So, all right, guys. God bless you. Thank you so much. Um, have a great day. Have a blessed day. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. God bless.